heads up, you know, just saying how we do here. But everybody, welcome back to the Jameer Smith Show podcast season three. Guys, he didn't even know that we were recording already, already. (laughs) So everybody, we have already, the year is almost done. And, you know, I, I think we've always said on the show, we wanted to bring some great people on the show that has some amazing stories. And I wanted to definitely bring on this fantastic young man that I've known for many, many, many years. But I found out, oh my gosh, what a few years ago that he actually was, is it one third, one fourth of a podcast group, you know, entourage, as you can say. And you guys, I want to bring on to the show somebody that's near and dear and close to my heart. Trey Houston, how are you? for the wonderful introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. It's interesting. Whenever I do introductions for people, they're like, dang, I sound kind of important a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, elevated me a little bit. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So before we get into it, you know, I have to say I'm super proud of you. And with everything that has gone on and before we get into, you know, everything that you have gone on, how has 2021 really been just for you? Man, it's, it's really been a slingshot year for me, you know, since 2020. Uh, I really kept my head down, kept quiet all of last year. And this year has been full of blessings back to back. Okay. Uh, I have no complaints. You know, you know, I found the love of my life a, a year or two ago. We just moved here back to Atlanta. Whoa. I'm from New York City. Okay. Uh, left New York City, came back to Atlanta. Um, promotion business opportunities are opening up. I mean, it's just been a really good year for me. Um, only two months into Atlanta so far, but 2021 has been amazing. I always have a uh, positive outlook on life regardless, but it's been better than most. And I say that a lot, you know, because with everything that we all have kind of gone through with these two years, you know, I mean, we're still living and breathing within a pandemic, but I think it's always a great time whenever we can actually find blessings throughout it all. And shout out to you in this this new boo. We definitely gonna touch on that on the new boo. But um, <laughs> you listen. We gotta make sure that she is listening. That's what we about to do. But social, political, and cultural commentary by just regular guys. Brandon, Mike, Stu, and of course, who we have on the line today, Trey. You guys have really talked about. A little bit of everything and it's interesting I think what attracted me to you guys show were the reviews the reviews of the show were absolutely fantastic I have one review that says guaranteed to make you laugh another review that says damn they just tell it how it is so a huge shout out to someone will be offended podcast where did the idea of someone will be offended just the title itself where did it even come from Okay, as as many uh, many conversations do. <laughs> Go as ahead. Many, as you know, brunch begets many things. Uh, we were at brunch in the Lower East Side of Manhattan once, and we had the idea. One of I think Stu had a uh, like an app. We all plugged in our our ear our earbuds, and we just recorded at brunch. That episode went out the window. It was ridiculous because we had already two bottles of mimosas in. <laughs> uh, and the sound quality was horrible. 
but we had, we had always talked about it, and so this particular brunch, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to, you know, kind of start it off. And eventually, we got with a studio, and we had the idea of just, like you said, unfiltered, just four guys talking about all topics across the board, no filters really, nothing political. We weren't trying to make appease to a certain group. Um, I was usually known the one to be to say the most outrageous things. Um, I probably had the least fil- the, the, the you know the, the smallest filter, I should say. <laughs> um, but I mean, it just came from just you know four guys. Just it really, it's just like four guys talking. Okay. And so, and, with the dynamic of the show, how do you guys even continue to drive some amazing content that people love to hear? The world gives us the best content. Okay. <laughs> we, we keep our ears to the street. Uh, anything, anything, and everything that's going on, we have our own take and opinions about it, and we just kind of go around table. I mean, on any given day, you just scroll through social media, scroll through your news feed. There is something going on every day. Yeah. Uh, and then we have subjective matter. Just you know, uh, you know, undergrad stories or. You know, dating, dating as a single man, you know, two of, two of the guys were single and one of them was recently single. So we just kind of throw topics out there and uh, people just started really gravitating towards it. I mean, it's 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 no script. I think that was one of the things that we, we, we never really had. We tried to do a script. <laughs> uh, it just never worked out that way. We just sit down, pour a couple bottles of wine and we just get to talking. <laughs> that actually and everyone knows that I don't drink. But when I tell you, like, literally having a little bit of wine or a little bit of <clears throat> it creates, you know, definitely <laughs> some conversation. And I, I have to say, you know, a, a few of the episodes that I listened to, I mean, I'm, I was hooked. I have to say, you know, and it, when you think about you guys conversations and I know there've been a lot of controversial things that have definitely come up. What do you think one of the most controversial things, you know, has come across you guys table and you guys talked about it? Oh man. Um, that's a good one. That's so many. Uh, well, we definitely touched on Bill Cosby one episode. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, the Jeffrey Epstein case was, was an episode that really stands out to me. As you know, Jeffrey Epstein was the guy who had the uh, child trafficking scandal out of Florida. Absolutely. You know, the New York guy. And, um, it was funny. I mean, it, was, it wasn't funny what happened, but the way we spun out of our reviews, I, I think I mentioned... Uh, you know, if Jeffrey Epstein had, like, district managers across the U.S., like, guys, you know, one guy's over the West Coast, you know, rounding up people, um, but kind of try to make a little light of it, but um, that was something that we kind of, that was a, a tough topic, but we, you know, again, you know how when you just have a conversation with your friends, and the situation may be sensitive, yeah. But amongst your friends, you just kind of, you know, it's you just jargon about it. Yeah, yeah. It. And that's, that's literally every topic, that's what we do. Um, when Kobe passed, that was a tough one. I think that was probably the one topic that we did spin it to make it funny. Right. No, yeah, no. And I, I, I think about where I was even in that moment. You know, I was looking at some some things, you know, Vanessa, you know, his wife, had posted I think a few weeks ago when everybody was in Venice for like a fashion show and um it was still super sad just to kind of see her and how much you know she credits her a lot of her life to him and the work that she's still doing to his legacy so a huge shout out to Kobe um you know with four guys on the show and as big personalities that you guys bring to your amazing show 
I think sometimes it's hard to really get to know each and every one of you guys individually. So I wanted to take this time for us to really peel back a couple of layers to see who you are. And I know you. I've known you for a long time and I'm super proud of you. But I think sometimes the ultimate goal is to just kind of reveal some things about who you really are and, you know, how you think. And, you know, really it uh, it will allow your audience to provide value on who you are as a person. If you don't mind, we want to get in your business a little Absolutely. bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. What do you... Would... Go ahead. No, I always consider podcasts as therapy. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think people misunderstand about you? Huh. Jameer, you're good, man. I told you. I told you. <laughs> Jameer gave me no rider, no, no warm-ups with the mm And listen, guys, and I know you probably didn't hear us before we were talking, but again, everyone knows that listen to the show. I do not release any of the questions before we discuss. So I'm giving him a little bit of extra time only on this one question so he can think about it. But I will repeat it. What do people misunderstand about Trey? Man, you know, one thing I think that people see me as a I'm a very laissez-faire guy. All is well. I love enjoying life. I love to drink. I love to be, you know, the life of the party once I get into that jet stream. Uh, but a lot of people don't know, you know, how I was brought, how I came to that, you know, kind of that, that mode of myself. You know, I, I grew up not like I was, I came from a strong academic family. My grandfather went to Cornell. Um, all, you know, all my aunts and uncles hold graduate degrees and education was really important and they sheltered me a lot growing up. I was not going to any parties in high school. I was in my books. Um, and there's this thing I learned later in life called the slingshot theory. You know, when you hold a child back from something, as soon as they're exposed to it, they go even further into it. (laughs) Yeah. And when I, um, you know, grew up like that and I was always a token black kid. So my, you know, my white friends were smoking cigarettes at 12. They were drinking in sixth grade and, uh, you know, and seeing that, but you know, when I got to Atlanta, I went to Morehouse. So Shout out to the house. Yep. First, man, my first month out of the house, not being under that strict guidance, you know, um, I just went, I mean, I feel like I became myself. I, I like the, the, the inner trait came out, you know, when I got to Morehouse and I really didn't know how to control myself, you know, those yeah. four years of, of, of college and even a couple of years afterwards because I've been so sheltered my entire life while my friends were partying in high school and middle school, you know, those white friends I had, I didn't get a chance to get the warm up, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, now today reflecting back on that, I feel like I'm the perfect mixture of both of that, but people will think I've been like that my entire life. And I really, I haven't, it really didn't start until maybe 18, 19 years old. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing. I think sometimes people don't realize that you still have to be able to live. And, you know, my story is a lot like yours. I I believe that I was definitely sheltered by my parents. I come from a two-parent household, and my parents always wanted to make sure that I played the safe card a lot. But I had to, you know, live and, and see what the world had to offer. And I think that's a lot of your story. And you had the opportunity to move, you know, to New York and live and you know, meet someone that's amazing. But you, you touched on something a little bit that I do want to ask you a question about is your parents. You know, oh, yeah. how would your parents describe you? Oh, man. Uh, 
actually hearing impaired. She was born hearing impaired. She's born deaf, in other words. And but uh, my grandfather was so determined for her to speak, you know, and learn how to talk, and you know, scholastically do well. That you know, she she talks well now. Um, all of her friends are deaf. She's probably one of the few that actually can speak, you know, amongst uh, amongst us. But um, my dad was the opposite of my mom's side of the family. Uh, my mom's side was like they. My dad always said my grandfather had the biggest house in the black neighborhood. <laughs> they were like they're like the Huxtables, you know, of the neighborhood. My grandfather was a successful chef, um, good business. My grandma grandma was a housewife, and everybody did well there. But my dad, on the other end, was like in the streets. Mm. <laughs> so my dad, so my my grandmother, my dad, my grandfather actually liked my dad, but my grandmother hated my dad. <laughs> <laughs> He's the complete opposite, but you know, my I guess my mom had a thing for bad boys. Um, my dad was always a respectful guy, did well in school, but you know, he was he was a little bit more, you know, he had a lot more street smarts. He wasn't as scholastic, so I get a lot of the cool from my dad. But you know, my mom is she sees a lot of me and my dad, mm. so or a lot of my dad and me. Yeah. Um, and as the oldest, you know, I think she just kind of rides with me with. with with whatever I want to do. She's always been proud. Well, and I talk about being proud and shout out to your mom, man, for just being mm-hmm. a, a, a whole soldier just throughout oh, yeah. this entire world that we're going through and what she had to even go through as far as everything. You talked yeah. about your grandfather and a lot of people mm-hmm. that may not know you, you love to cook and you just talked oh. about your grandfather. Did you learn a lot of those things from him? And what do you think some of your favorite meals are to cook? cooking on my social, my social media and, and, and really think it's a hobby, but you know, I wish we had social media when we were in middle school. I know. <laughs> I know. All of this, you know, like the kids do today. But my grandfather, I mean, um, put me in the kitchen. He had, a, he had two restaurants at the time. I was 10, and I was in the kitchen from the age of 10 in a, in a commercial kitchen. So he would, um, you know, I guess child labor is illegal, but he was working. Uh, watching over his shoulder as a kid from the age of 10 and um, watching like the restaurants bustle and I think by age 12, 13 I started actually like chopping vegetables okay <laughs> and, uh, at first it was just washing dishes uh, and I remember the day he told me to come into the kitchen and help him make I think it was like chicken salad um, and every single summer um, I would come back to South Carolina and I would work the entire summer in uh, either his restaurant or the catering kitchen and so I got exposed to a lot of different foods from a very early age. I mean, my grandfather was a guy that would have beluga caviar in his fridge. Wow. And so I knew, I knew what that tasted like at 11. I knew what wasabi paste tasted like at 11. I knew what chili oil. And, and I knew how to make a hollandaise at age 13. I mean, these things that people go to restaurants to eat. Um, I was eating in the house and in his kitchen from a very early age. So food was always something that... Uh, it was almost my love language, something that I really appreciated. So I understood it on a different level than just than most people, um, you know, just you know, dine out or cook, you know, right. they go to their home. Well, and I mean, the biggest thing that you even touched on as well is that um, <clears throat> you know how to cook. Let's be crystal clear on that one. So uh, you do way more than what I can even do, and <laughs> I, I think that's the beauty behind you know people of color is that. You know, we can do so many things and we have been able to be exposed, 
you know, to the world. And in any way that our parents and family have been able to kind of give us any type of guidance, you know, I think we're always like that sponge and we'll always just kind of like, you know, oh, I want to learn. I want to see what you're doing. And then we think about those things now. And to your point, I wish we did have social media because there would have been so many things that I would have been able to document that my family did and my grandparents did. Oh, my goodness. But if you could go back, let's just say to your 18 year old self and one piece of advice what would that be? Oh, 18-year-old Trey. That's <laughs> fresh in Atlanta. Um, man. Be yourself. Don't be afraid to be yourself. I think my 18-year-old self, I was so, I think I even, I said, I've said this out loud on my podcast, but I was so concerned about making my grandfather proud, making my, my family proud about being, you know, being successful and trying to like act right and trying to, I was always thinking about what other people thought of me, making okay. sure, oh, you know, you know, making sure I was in the positive light of everybody's eyes. And as I've grown older, especially living in New York, I realized you can't make everybody happy. Not everybody's going to like you. <laughs> Get over there it. There you Live go. Your life, yep. yourself. And whoever falls in line will fall in line. If they don't, then they weren't meant to be in your life. There you go. Um, but I, I, I got too, I got too hard on myself at eighteen, thinking too much about what people thought about me. Be yourself. But I think you know I had this revelation the other day as I was meditating, and I said, you know, I know a lot of people. You know a lot of people, and I think what's crazy is that we always want to make sure that people are happy. We always want to make sure that, hey, whatever you need, I got you. But I think that I got you sometimes can exhaust us, and you get to the point sometimes that you're just like, you know what? I cannot make everyone happy, and that's okay. But the reality is I can do what I can do and just keep it moving because everyone is not going to be for you. And that's okay too. And I, it, it's, that's a hard pill to swallow. It really, really is. Um, everybody wants to be liked by everybody. I mean, in the perfect world, I would love to be loved by everybody. Right. No, absolutely. What do you, to, be cocky, to be cocky for a second, what do you think the best compliment that you've ever gotten? Oh, man. <laughs> look, uh, look. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, but I, you know, my, I, I've always been told not charming. Okay. I have an unspoken charm about myself. Okay. Anything, but I have a presence that's just charming. I don't know if it's my demeanor, my smile, but my overall presence is always uh, a positive presence. People like to be around me. Hmm. I, I, I would say that that's probably one of the most common things I get. When you talk about all the food that you make, what is one food that you know that you would never eat? Oh, uh, never eat? There is nothing that I would never eat, but I can tell you something that I will never eat again. Okay. Is number one is chitlins. Never Ooh, again. <laughs> absolutely not. I won't even try it. Okay. You grew up in the South. You've had yeah. Nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> it's not a delicacy. It is not a delicacy by any no. means. <laughs> Okay. Um, 
I will never eat chicken thighs. That is something. I, it's, it's even funny. When I go to restaurants, they have a chicken sandwich. I will specifically ask them, is the chicken chicken thighs or chicken breast? Okay? It's, it's a big difference. Thighs, yeah. bring out a chicken thigh, I'm going to send it back. So I'm trying to save y'all time. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last thing? Yeah. I will say those probably those one of the things I can say off the top of the head. Okay. So you mentioned earlier that, you know, as you were in Brooklyn, you were able to live and, and really meet some great people. One of those great people is someone that's special in your life now. Uh-huh. Oh. Absolutely. How did that come apart? How did you guys meet? Oh, man. So it's funny. Uh, we, we met. So there's a, a coffee shop in, um, in East Village called The Dean. Okay. Uh, we have a couple locations around the city, but it's like a place where NYU students go. At this particular location, um, you suppose they go to study, meet. Um, it's quite large for a for for a, for a, a cafe in, in the city. And so I was there one afternoon. I ordered. It's about three p.m. I ordered a cappuccino because I just wanted a cappuccino. And this woman standing in line behind me was like. It's way too late to, to order a cappuccino. You know that's a breakfast drink only. only. Uh, Italians would clearly know you're a tourist if you ordered a cappuccino after noon. And, <laughs> and so uh, she and at the time she had just came back from Italy. She did a solo trip, um, and so we got to you know conversing uh, and decided to enjoy our coffees together. We sat down and just had a, a conversation. Uh, next thing you know, uh, maybe 30 minutes, our coffees are done. I say, you know what? You want to go have a drink? Wow. I was already going to go have some drinks. Uh, so we, we go to the second spot and we end up at this spot laughing, drinking for at least three hours. Uh, to the point where by the end of the second, by the end of the second location, we are full blown making out. Like, it, is, it is a whole it is a whole brunch situation happening at uh, a place it was Lily's uh, also in East, it was like a taqueria in East Village uh, but it is packed people are ordering, we're sitting at the bar people are ordering drinks and we are making out at the bar people are like ordering drinks next to us hands moving in between our faces and uh, <laughs> we move from there and go to another I mean the date was about 8 hours long we go to a I love that Yes, you, you, yeah, you've had those, I'm sure. Yeah. But we go to a jazz place, um, Jules, uh, and we get to the bar, there's live jazz, and by this time, Jameer, we've been drinking for about four or five hours, so we are good. <laughs> 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 I mean, we are, we, I mean, the way it progressed, it seemed like fate, like, this, like it was just meant to happen on that day at that time, but... We're at the bar, and the bartender is asking us how long we've been dating, and we told her we just met. Um, wow. And she said, oh, my God. I have to, she, she gave us the rest of the bottle of wine on the house. She was like, I, your love is so pure. We, uh, I love that. And uh, that was our first date, first time seeing each other, and ever since then, she's really, she's had a hold of me. Well, and it's been inseparable, and I think it's already... You know, you're holding each other down, moving from New York, coming to Atlanta. That's already a huge thing. And then, of course, I don't know if you guys are living together, but now you guys are building, you know, a foundation. If you could talk to her right now, and I know she's probably near, what could you tell her that what makes you smile even when you've had the worst day? 
makes me smile. If I could ask her if she could answer that question. Absolutely. Or, you know, what do you you can tell her. What what makes you smile even when you've had a bad day? I will tell you this. So so my girlfriend is Dominican born. Okay. Uh, so uh, she also loves to cook. The one thing, no matter how stressful my work day is, when she brings me a plate of food <laughs> and I didn't even ask for it. I cannot help but smile. And it's just normal to her, but it's something that I didn't really, I, I not used to before her. Uh, you know, I'll, it'll be 10 a.m. I've already had two meetings by 10 a.m. I'm already stressed. My, my plan for the day is out the window. Um, and she'll bring me an avocado toast in with an over-easy egg, just like I like it. Wow. And a cup of, and a, and a, and a, and a cup of espresso. The right espresso before twelve. There we are. Yeah, all the stress out the window. She knows us. She knows food is my love language. That's what it's I'm also talking about. Hers, but, uh, but yeah. What's one thing you think a woman can do that can instantly turn you off, though? Oh, uh, turn instantly turn me off. Oh man, uh, being one is being superficial. Uh, another one is just not having an unrealistic view on life. Uh, you know. Hmm. No. I would say, but yeah, those two things. I would say just being down to earth, man. It's, especially you know here in Atlanta, it's it's you know it's Black Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but a big turn off for me are just people who are not genuine, or a woman who who's not genuine um, outside of her exterior, you know, um, or does or is not is not um, does afraid to show who she really is, you know, it's not being themselves. Um, I would say that, yeah. Just be yourself. I don't like people who are bougie. I mean, okay, I can be a little bougie. <laughs> <laughs> I can be a little bougie. But just, just like, just being a little too bougie, like not being social, okay. not talking, well, you know, not, not laughing. And this one's going to be a challenge, and hopefully she listens to this one, but what do you think the nicest thing that you've ever done for a woman is? Because now you know you're going to have to top that, but go ahead. The nicest thing I've ever done these questions that get people to thinking yeah make you pause for a it second. does when it makes you pause that means I did my job That's a great thing. I will say, at least you are doing nice things for people because I think sometimes we take certain things and certain people for granted. And so at least you can say, you know what? I actually have done many, many great things for people. So you know what? I'm going to leave it like that. You don't even have to say it because I think that's what people have to understand is that you're at least doing things from the kindness of your heart. And that's what people have to realize as well. Getting Getting back to you, as we continue to peel back the layers on understanding who Trey is, do you describe yourself as more as an introvert or an extrovert? I, I am an extroverted introvert. Where, By nature. Yeah. 
Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. By nature. By nature, I'm an introvert. I definitely deal with social anxiety. Okay. Uh, when there's a lot of people, when I feel like I'm being, there are multiple eyes upon me. Mm-hmm. I definitely have that. Some people just love, like, just love the eyes. They love the eyeballs. Right. That fuels them. I do get anxiety, social anxiety. Okay. But once, but once I hit like a certain jet stream, you know, maybe after a couple glasses of wine, I can be <laughs> the entire life of a of a, of a situation. I've seen myself, I mean, I've seen myself have people just walk up to me and be like, your energy is amazing. I've gone up and talked to everybody. I mean, New York kind of brought that a little bit out of me, but by nature, I would say I'm an introvert, but um, I can, I can, after a couple of drinks, I can definitely be, it kind of, my shell breaks away and uh, I get out there. Well, and I think the good part about that is like you kind of know your balance. And I think about, you know, where's your favorite place to go whenever you want to relax? For me, it's always, it's, it's <laughs> the kitchen is, is, a, is a therapeutic room for me. Uh, cooking is therapeutic for me. Uh, Do you want, and, mm-hmm. go ahead. And any beach. I love, I, I love a good beach. I love yeah, a good beach. Also, yes. Do you want kids? Absolutely. I'm the last in my namesake, so I have to have at least one boy. Hmm. Perfect. As we kind of come to a close, and I think, you know, we've had the opportunity to really get to know who you are. If you could think about, you know, three words that just describe who you are. Trey, what are those words?
Well, no, and I, I love the rat. That's why I wanted you to really like break down rational because I, I felt like that's what you were going to say. And I think that's exactly spot on. Definitely spot on. When you think about yourself, Trey, what has been your greatest achievement so far? Greatest achievement. And um, I would say meeting the woman that I'm with today. Wow. She changed my life, I would tell you, for the better. All around. Made me all around. I mean, in every aspect of my life. Uh, made me a better man. Meeting her was probably my, one of my greatest achievements. I love asking this last question to certain people because, you know, people like you are analytical people. And um, uh-huh. it'd be very interesting to hear if you could be remembered for one thing what would it be? Uh, what I did for my community. Beautiful. Yeah. That is one of the great, that's one of the, that's one of my life goals is to have an imprint on my community, my immediate community. So. I love it. And that, yeah, the generation behind it, yeah. I love it. Uh-huh. What do you want to end the show with, Trey? You know what? Something that I always remember is when you and I and one of our colleagues would always travel to Florida. And I think that we all just had the best time ever being out of, you know, Atlanta and just learning and meeting people and just acting up. And, you know, I felt like we were so young, but then we really weren't. It's like we were grownups, but... You know, when I look back at those times, I'm like, dang, we look so young. And just to kind of see the movement and the moments, you know, and I look at and as I always talk about on the show, the relationships that I have built over the years. I think about even my current state, two or three of those people that I met, you know, when I was with you guys are now back in my life again. You know, so it's so interesting to see certain things come full circle and just to really build upon the friendships that I, I made. And that's what I remember. I remember us just having a good old time. What about you? Yeah, well, we garnered so much attention. Yeah. Uh, I think the only three black. Uh, Absolutely. Within the room. Yeah. So charismatic. So, like, our, we, we commanded attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were in the room, I'll tell you that. And, and I think about, you know, even like where I am currently, you know, I've touched on this on the show, like I'm one of the only people of color in a senior level position now. And it's it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, because I think that, you know, where we were prepared me for situations like this. So I think to your point of what you said with your relationship with your grandfather and, you know, how he taught you so many things and prepared you for what the future hopefully should look like that's exactly what I feel like we go through life certain instances and say okay I've been here before now I know how to react in a very mature and grown-up way so yeah absolutely listen absolutely and before we end this show I wanted to 
definitely say rest in power, rest in peace, Michael K. Williams. I love Michael K. Williams because he was extremely powerful. He was prolific in his portrayals of just a black man in Hollywood. Notably, everyone remembers him as Omar from The Wire, as well as, you know, currently he was Montrose Freeman in Lovecraft Country, and he was even nominated for an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor. So I know we lost him earlier today on Labor Day, but people, we continue to live and breathe. And as I always say, you know, we have to stay as positive as we can through the life that we're living in. Trey, I want to appreciate you and I want to thank you. And I always want to give people their flowers while they are here. And I want everyone to support this, this man with every venture that he has going on. His social media on IG is Mr. No Shoes. Again, Trey, check out the podcast. Someone will be offended podcast. It is on all of your listening streaming platforms. Any last words, Trey? Yes, and don't forget Cook and Porter, my catering and food service businesses at Cook and Porter on IG. Um, man, it's always a good time with you. Live life, say la vie. Every day is not promised, so enjoy it when you wake up. I, I concur. I absolutely concur that as well, Monsieur. And guys, thank you guys so much for listening to season three, the Jameer Smith Show podcast. We have some absolutely amazing guests coming up in September, and we are going live at the end of the month in Los Angeles. We have oh someone absolutely phenomenal coming on the show. So, Trey, thank you for your love. Thank you for your service. We thank you just for your footprint in this industry. And guys, as we always end the show, we always say stay positive, but stay creative. Until next time, check out the Jameer Smith Show podcast.